This is Joe Kwan, the Connection Counselor, your host on Diversity Bites, the program for everybody who understands the challenges inherent in creating a more diverse workforce. Join us as we explore the strategies and mindsets needed to transcend statistics, increase belonging, and unlock higher performance. Hello, this is Joe Kwan, the Connection Counselor, and welcome to another episode of Diversity Bites in the Car. I want to share with you what may be a bit of an obvious secret, which is that I record uh, many of these episodes in advance. So by the time you're hearing it, um, a bunch of time will have passed because it's almost impossible for me to actually record a daily episode uh, every day. Um, and I also like to record things, you know, as I think of them. So I record them right away. I don't, you know, wait until the future. So that allows me to bring you daily content, sometimes, you know, more than daily content if I have a special episode. One thing that right now, um, I think we're in January, almost February right now as I'm recording this, uh, that I've been experiencing is two things. One, um, I've been learning a lot more about systemic white supremacy and racism from various authors uh, and books that have just kind of coalesced in the last, let's say, six months or so. Um, the most recent being the work of Saira Rao and Regina Jackson on um, white women specifically, uh, but there's a lot of other uh, great resources as well. Shannon Hurley Hall, I'm Tired of Racism, um, Layla, I forget her last name um, at the moment, apologies. Um, but she also wrote a great uh, book about systemic uh, racism, which I read in the last year. Uh, the other thing that I've been experiencing around this time frame is I've been thinking about the system and how systems control and how you can change systems. And I've been reading, for inspiration, the book 1984 by George Orwell. Uh, and a lot of those principles, you know, it's a science fiction book, but are sort of uncannily or eerily similar to what's going on in society and the world today. And that's one of the amazing things about science fiction. They often predict things that are going to happen, and not because they have some superpowers of prediction, just because they're using principles of human nature and kind of extrapolating. Um, so the principles were always there, so they're not creating anything new, uh, but sometimes the scenarios that they imagine are actually quite similar when the technology hasn't actually existed at the time that they wrote it. And one slogan in the book uh, that the party, you know, the party is the one that's controlling. And actually, Big Brother came, that term came from this book, Big Brother, which is a sort of an interesting bit of trivia. One slogan that the party has, which is really fascinating to me and I think is helpful in terms of discussing racism, inclusion, belonging, is, uh, let me make sure I get it right, the uh, he who controls the past controls the future. He who controls the present controls the past. So let me give that one more one more time. He who controls the past controls the future. He who controls the present controls the past. And basically what happens in the book is they rewrite history all the time. In the present, they will rewrite articles, they will rewrite um, media events to the point where someone could be saying something in one moment, they could say, we are at war with this country, and then within the next second, getting a slip of paper saying, hey, we're gonna change what's going on, 
in the next moment, that same person says, we are at war with a different country, right? And nothing has actually significantly changed other than they've wanted to change the narrative. And the interesting, the really fascinating thing is, it's not just that it changes moment for moment, they actually rewrite the past. So whoever they're at war with, they were always at war with. So it's not like four years ago we were at war with this country, three years ago we were at war with this country. It's like if we're at war with them now, then from the beginning of time or whenever the party decides the beginning of time is, we've been at war with that country. So think about that, that sort of level of mind control that sort of level of what you allow people to hear. And it's a very oppressive society where if you don't hew the line and if they get any whiff that you are not thinking what they want you to think, you get thrown into a deep dark hole, tortured, made to confess, all the things that you might imagine happen in, in this sort of society. And what that made me think about and what made me really sad to think about is how some people are trying to control the narrative of history taught in our schools. So if you really believe our children are the future, if you really believe that they're going to be the ones who take us forward and take the planet forward and take care of their elders into the next generation, create um, prosperity and success, do you want them to be fed a line of what some person in power wants them to believe or do you want them to actually understand history and what happened in the past so they can make better decisions going forward. And what I'm referring to is this effort to really control what is taught in schools with regards to our country's legacy and shame, frankly shame when it comes to racial relations, uh, you know, white supremacy, uh, the regular sort of, uh, you know, murder, uh, unfair uh, treatment of minorities and people of culture, specifically and, and most you know, gruesomely um, with regards to black or African Americans. And what happens with that is when you control the present by changing or uh, even, you know, not by changing but by controlling what people can say about the past, it's as if it never happened, right? So if we can never talk about something that I did that was wrong to you, it's almost like it never happened, right? Especially if you weren't involved in it, right? So let's say you, you know, your, your uh, child is a third party and you and I got into this horrible fight and you know, you know, the, your kid notices that we are no longer in speaking terms, but they are not allowed to know what actually happened. Right? So it's almost like the fight never happened because they are not allowed to know of it. So for them to play a role in mending our relationship, into avoiding getting into those sorts of disputes in the future, you've basically um, hampered them and taken away their ability to do that because you have hidden the truth from that. You have not allowed them to learn from what happened from the past, even though that that argument between you and I had nothing to do with them. And unfortunately, that's what's going on in a lot of these struggles and we can wonder about the reasons why um, and that's something I've been wondering about as well and that why doesn't really stray far at all it's really the same why in terms of the why of white supremacy and sort of the red herring with white supremacy is it's not really about white versus black or white versus something else underneath all that right although that is the you know, characteristic of white supremacy as we have it 
um, today, it's really about, underneath all of that, it's about control and power, right? Because if you think about power, power is the ability to control, to make things happen or not happen for your benefit or your ego or your desire. So that's controlling things and it's also controlling people. And if you take it one step further, what is that desire to control based on, right? Why do we have this need to control? And it doesn't take too much to understand that the basis for wanting that control is fear, right? Fear of our destruction, fear of inadequacy, fear of unpredictability and the anxiety it produces. So what that has led me to think about a lot over these last you know, few months or weeks is that to try to dismantle something that is fear-based, based on more fear or things that provoke more fear can be a real challenge, right? Because you're actually creating more of the thing which is creating the resistance. So I'm not saying we should not make anyone you know, uncomfortable or afraid. I'm just saying to understand that when you do that, that that has actually a bit of a negative impact um, immediately in terms of someone's response. Now, so what's the answer, right? Sometimes we have to deal with difficult things and sometimes things make us afraid and we have to deal and go through with them and it's not like we can just walk around and fix things by saying things that make people happy and hunky-dory. That doesn't work either. So what is the opposite of fear, right? And the opposite of fear is not actually courage in this sense. It's love, right? It's love for others. It's love for humanity. It's love for life. It's not fearing that any other made-up characterization of a group or type of person is a danger to you. And the only real antidote for that fear which results in power and control is love. For people to understand that we are actually more alike than we are different. And the answer to creating that love is not data and statistics, right? You can come up with all sorts of great data and statistics that say, look, you know, genetically, the pigment of our skin actually has very little to do with anything, right? You can tell someone that, but that does not actually eliminate the fear because someone will just think that you're being duped and they can actually come up with, you know, equally compelling evidence to them to show that, you know, something else which is more in line with their beliefs and feeds into their fear. So what can we actually do to create love instead of fear? And the answer I've been coming to lately is experience, right? You learn to love things through experiencing them and experiencing them differently and in a new way. So you may be afraid of going on a roller coaster, right? You're not going to become unafraid by someone lecturing you or showing you statistics. You're not gonna become unafraid by someone showing you videos or telling you to take a training on roller coasters. The only way, only way possible you would experience it and now learn to love roller coasters is what? By going on a roller coaster and having a great experience and transforming your own belief in roller coasters. So it's just something I've been thinking about. Apologies, this episode has gone a little bit longer than usual. Um, but a lot of my work going forward is going to be how do we create those experiences that create the love 
that overcomes the fear which is driving white supremacy consciously and unconsciously, that is driving otherness, that is driving stereotypes and categorization that decrease diversity, decrease belonging, and decrease high performance. Thanks so much for listening. This is Joe Kwan, The Connection Counselor. If you're enjoying Diversity Bites, I just ask for one favor. Please leave a rating and or share with someone you think would appreciate these episodes. Thanks, and talk to you next time. Oh, (laughs) almost forgot my tagline. It's been a while since I recorded these. Remember, when it comes to high performance, diversity bites belonging delights.